The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group, where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Two Time. This is uh, Pastor Monty, and this is our, um, let's see, how would we say it? It's not really a farewell. This is... Season finale. There you go. Okay, season finale. This is our season finale. Um, for 2019. And so we're just going to take some time to go over and kind of discuss in brief things that we've already talked about. Um, But uh, so let's let's go ahead and and, uh, do that in the Christ Factor. So let me give you kind of a synopsis of where we've uh, where we've been. Um, I, you know, I think one of the things that I find um, interesting, and we've we've talked about this um, as far as the as far as uh, people are concerned, we've talked about the fact that that many people v- uh, like to compartmentalize, and so they like to put things in little boxes because it's easier for them to to deal with, and. When you, when you are thinking of, um, as a disciple of Christ, when you are thinking about the, the narrative that, that should give guidance to how it is that you live, um, you have to have a, a, a comprehensive story. You have, to, you have to know what your story is because at, at, at one point or another, you may be called upon to unpack that story. You may be called upon to, um, you know, to give uh, witness, as it were, to why it is that you believe something, or to what your what what your faith 
is all about and how it is that you view things. Or it may be that it, you, you may not be talking to somebody, but you may be uh, talking to yourself. You know, we've talked before a little bit about the fact that, that um, well, I don't think we've talked about it on this program, but, but in discussion with other believers, one of the things that I've talked about is that everybody has what's called self-talk. And, <laughs> and self-talk means that you talk to yourself. Everybody does it. You, you know, so, um, you know, some people, uh, some people have uh, difficulty acknowledging that, but everybody talks to themselves. You talk to yourself. Some people do it verbally and, and talk to themselves uh, as if they were talking to an, uh, an actual person. Some, most people do it mentally where they just talk about, you know, what's going on in life and how they should approach things and they're trying to work through problems and that type of stuff. So self-talk is, is a, an important aspect of learning how it is that we process things. You, um, one aspect of it, for example, is you may, you may think that, that uh, something is a great idea. And then when you actually verbalize it, you go, mm, didn't come out the way that I thought it was going to. Um, so, so when you are um, in the process of dealing with life issues, um, you need to understand um, your own narrative. You need to understand what it means to you know, um, be a believer and what those dynamics look like when you're encountering difficulties in life. So we've been going through and talking about, first of all, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And we've talked about the importance of understanding the dynamic that is there, because those, those things are what we would call foundational. So as a disciple of Christ, and again, I'm not saying Christian, because I don't like that branding. But it's, 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 it's become too watered down in our society today. Everybody who, you know, wants to have some association with Christ, you know, today calls himself a Christian. Um, and yet, you know, you should be able to define, there is a definer as that what that means. And so we've been talking about that. And uh, I prefer um, the disciple of Christ because that, that very distinctly signifies um, what my relationship with Christ is. That I am a disciple. That I want to be taught by God through his word as the Holy Spirit interacts with me. So I'm a disciple of Christ. So when I say that, what that does is it automatically brings up a, a, uh, a narrative, and we've been going through that narrative for the last two years, where we've talked about this is what a disciple of Christ is. And then this year, we finished that up with going through and saying not only is this narrative uh, complete, but it is consistent with the picture that Scripture teaches. So if somebody says that they're a disciple of Christ, then and they know who Jesus is, and they know what the position of, of Jesus is, 
then you know that means that they're purporting a certain narrative. And what we've done is we've gone to Scripture to look at what Scripture actually has to say. And so I'll just uh, go through very quickly. And we've gone through uh, 21 different points as we've, uh, as we've uh, described this. And so with today's uh, being the last um, season podcast. Finale. Season finale. <laughs> the, with today being the season finale, we'll just kind of wrap that up. Um, so what we've been looking at is, you know, what does, what does uh, Scripture have to say in regard to um, what is Christianity? So, you know, if you've got a pen and paper, you know, you want to write these down, these are good things to remember. So I'm going to um, just go through these very quickly because we've already um, enumerated most of them. Um, but uh, first of all, um, you know, Christianity is a new birth, and we've talked about the fact that, you know, Jesus um, says that there is this process that we go through where we must be born again. In Romans, the Apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ is the second Adam, and that uh, when we become believers, we are born again into the kingdom of God, and we have, as it were, a spiritual awakening. Because we have that spiritual awakening, then we have allegiance to a new master. You know, before, we gave um, allegiance to ourselves. So before I knew Christ, before I was a disciple of Christ, my allegiance was to myself. And, and uh, that, that's a, a major issue because, of course, we know that when you are, the process of baptism is that process by which self dies. Um, and uh, self sometimes doesn't want to act like it's dead. And so you have to remind, um, you have to, through your self-talk and through acknowledging when you were baptized and, and stating it as a fact, not as a feeling, but as a fact, that when you were baptized, self died. And so self no longer rules in your life. And you have allegiance to a new master, and that master is Jesus Christ. So because of that... Christianity is a devotion to new priorities. Self is dead. You're raised to walk a new life, the Apostle Paul says, the book of Romans. You're raised to walk a new life, and so what that means? It means new priorities. And these are, we've, you know, extrapolated these and talked about these in depth, but these are our key points of understanding uh, our discipleship in Christ because there are many people that pass over these points and, and don't apply them in their lives and then they wonder why they're having difficulty because they don't set new priorities they don't set a new relationship and allow Christ to be their master they don't set new priorities and adjust things so that the uh, the old things are pushed which are not beneficial are pushed away and a new uh, a new priority is set, and this is 
this is something that is not a one-time thing. When you're, when I do uh, life coach type stuff and I help people to figure out, you know, where they're having difficulty in life and how they proceed and what they're doing. One of the exercises that we go through is we talk about what are your priorities? What are your goals in life that you want to accomplish? And then what, what objectives under your goals, what short-term objectives have you established to, to meet um, your overall goal? And, and so once you, once you um, reach a goal, then you don't let that sit dormant, but you, so, so along the way, you're ch- as you progress in life, you're checking your objectives to see that you're on track of reaching your goal. And once you reach your goal, then you look and you prioritize and set a new goal. And then work towards that new goal. And this happens not only in the physical life of what we deal with when when we deal with family, when we deal with career, when we deal with uh, relationships, all of those types of things. But it most definitely applies to our spiritual walk as well. Have you thought about what your goal is for your relationship with Christ? And what objectives have you set to help you to achieve a deeper spiritual relationship you want to throw anything in here josh or should i just keep going well i mean i think what needs to be remembered is that it's all inclusive so um not not just that not just that Christ affects certain areas of our life, but when we have a new life in Christ, it affects all of them. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about goals, for instance, um, like the goals that we need to set need to be based on the idea that we have a a new relationship in Christ that that should begin to define everything. So, for instance, relationships that you've had in the past that were difficult, mm-hmm. those are relationships that should enter a state of rejuvenation and redemption and be defined now by our relationship with Christ and not our difficulties with them. And those are hard areas for us to, to look at. Um, but I think the thing we have to remember is that Christ touches all of those areas. That's why, for instance, we had that, you know, um, when that pastor, for instance, committed suicide and he, he left a certain area of his life untouched. And because of that, uh, you know, there was no regeneration in that area, or at least there was limited, not enough to produce fruit, apparently. And, you know, so the consequences were there. So what I'm saying is the regeneration has to be all inclusive. It can't we can't relegate it to only certain areas of our life. And so that includes everything. It includes um the relationships that we have, it includes the food we eat. It includes the uh, however however deeply philosophical you are in your inner life cuz you know some people they aren't, you know, they're right, right. they're content. However however deeply philosophical you are in your walk with God, if this is something if there's anything that weighs on your heart that makes your life journey difficult. This should be given to God and it should be assumed. There should be a hope of regeneration in everything, in every place, in every jot and tittle. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and so the way that the mechanism that you 
use, and we can talk about this when we take up a new year, but, but the mechanism that you use to achieve this, quite simply, is that uh, you take some time to be reflective. And study. And, well, that, yeah, that's part of the process. That's your goal is to set a mechanism up where you're studying on a regular basis. Well, we want to be, but we want to be careful with being too reflective on the self, Right. Well, we're not to reflect on self, we're to reflect on our relationship with Christ. Right, but but specifically through the lens of Scripture, because there are so many people, and I know that you agree with this, I'm just clarifying, there are so many people who think that because they have achieved a certain level of maturity in life, they have experience, so on and so forth, they've walked with Christ for a long time, or they're new believers who have, uh, who have just, um, they're, what, what you would call it, on fire, Right, right. They think that because they're on fire or they've walked with Christ for a long time, that everything is good in their life and that they're beyond beyond uh, having to have that regeneration continually take place. But the truth is, is that we have to be reflective on the scripture and what its standard is for that. And so that's that goes into the Eastern mysticism version of... Uh, um, uh, meditating, right? Right, right, right. right? We're, so what do you fill your mind with? Because meditation in the Eastern view is you empty your mind and you just are at peace with the universe. Um, I, I watched The Lion King the other day. Oh, yeah. The new oh, Lion yeah. King. Mm-hmm. And they had the gall in the new Lion King. Beyonce, she, she is singing this song called Spirit. And in the new Lion King, they, they have the gall to say that, um, you know, everything is one as they did in the original Lion King. Right. And right. That, that, sim- that basically that um, our goal is to become one with everything, one with the great I am. Mm-hmm. A term that's reserved for God. Right. So yeah. now they're saying that God is self. So, uh, well, what they're doing is they're subplanting uh, uh, Hinduistic theology. Right. Into the young people of today through this nonsense. Right. But I know plenty of Christians who, who have no problem believing that, uh, that God is not a separate and holy being from us, but that God is almost like a, a grand consciousness or whatever. And what we need to do is just find peace in our relationship with him, regardless of whether we are in line with his character, regardless of whether we are in line with his revelation, as long as we have peace in our relationship with him, then everything is good. Right. And that's not what scripture teaches. And the only way we know that is by putting aside our own experiences, our own inclinations, our own, um, our own heart. The scripture says, uh, the prophet Jeremiah said, and he was a prophet, right? So he walked with God, talked with God. He says, my heart is wicked above all things. We have, to put a, uh, we have to put aside our own heart, and we have to look at what Scripture says. That's what we need to be um, paying attention to. And if at any point we find ourselves saying, well, the Scripture's in my heart. I don't really need to go back to it, you know, because I'm at peace with God. I have peace with God. In my years, I have peace with God. Or I'm a new believer, and God has showed me these things and awoken me the way that, for instance, Mormons, they... they pray for a spiritual experience, and then they're right. awakened to it. That's dangerous ground. Yeah, very dangerous ground. So so part of that process then is, is uh, I'm just saying that from a, from a, a practical standpoint, you need to uh, kind of evaluate along the way whether you need to, have you reached your goals, and are you setting new goals in your, in your spiritual life? 
Yes. You know, not only does it apply to your physical life. The whole of your the spirit. Whole, the whole person. The whole person has to go through that process. And that includes the thought life, too. Absolutely. So, uh, number four, um, Christianity is uh, new inward power. So, before, we just had to draw on the power that we have, uh, that we thought we had within ourselves. That's the reason why, uh, you know, you hear people talk about willpower. You know, I have the willpower, you know, to try to... No, no, no. Now, what do we have uh, available to us? The, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do the things that we ought that Jesus Christ might be praised. So we rely upon the work of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. Uh, Christianity is a new walk. With this, this goes right along with the idea of setting new priorities. New priorities and point one, a new birth, yeah. That's exactly correct. And so you have to embrace that. Here's something that you don't necessarily think of, but is there. Christianity is a new dress, and we've talked about that. And that goes along with the new birth. It goes along with a new uh, new priorities, a new walk. Uh, you need to get... I, I know, you know, there are some of you out there that you just love those old comfy clothes that have rips and tears in them. And you just love to put those on because they feel so... Uh, so wonderful. Christianity is a new dress. Well, and they become, they become akin to your personality. That's the thing. Like, people get used to seeing you that way. You get used to seeing you that way. The Matrix had a term for this. They called it residual self-image. Okay. Yeah. And you, you have this residual self-image about yourself, and you, now you cannot even picture yourself uh, being that new person. And we find this is particularly hard to do um, when you're for older Christians, newer Christians, that's all they want to do. Yeah, yeah, they just want to, yeah. you know, shed everything and have a new life. Older Christians, they have a lot harder of a time saying, you know, an old dog needs to look different than a younger dog, you know, or 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 dress appropriately. Yeah, that's I was mixing metaphors. It doesn't work very well. No, no. But but the <laughs> an old dog can and should learn I'm, new tricks. I'm thinking of 80-year-olds that dress like they're a teenager. Right. Um, in, you know, we, we, need to, we need to understand what uh, the clothing is that is given to us by God as believers so that we can be prepared to deal with life. Well, and, and, that's, and there we talked about the armor of God. And that's, talked about. that's the other thing, yeah, what you're saying with that is the utilitarian nature of God's clothing god's clothing isn't notice they never say the armor or uh, the breast the the they never say the scarlet breastplate of righteousness you know they don't do that because right. it's right. not a it's utilitarian it's meant the way that you clothe yourself isn't based on vanity it's right it's based on function that's exactly correct and to be prepared to handle the challenges uh, of being a disciple of Christ, you need to be dressed appropriately. And if you're dressed in vanity, then you need to check yourself. Exactly correct. So not only do you need to dress uh, correctly, but you need to have uh, a new heart. And this goes right along with what we've talked about before, just the importance of understanding where your priorities lie in regard to your relationship with Christ. Um, you know, Christianity is fellowship with God. Meaning that we, we need to take time 
to spend time in fellowship. We need to read his word. We need to meditate of his honors. You know, Josh mentioned earlier, you know, the difference between Eastern uh, meditation and what scripture has to say. You know, the, 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 the idea of meditation from scripture is, I know this is a difficult concept for you city folk, but, but the, the idea is that of a cow chewing its cud. And what, what happens is when cows, the, the reason cows make milk is because God created them to do so. But, but, but they, they, uh, they eat the grass and the grass goes to one stomach and then the grass is regurgitated. And so when you see cows in the field, oftentimes they'll just be standing there kind of chewing on stuff. In, in breaking it down, and then that grass goes to another stomach, and there it's processed even more. Do you mean the reason why their milk is the way it is? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean, humans make milk, too. But not like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not like that. So from for the idea that, you know, is that when we meditate, we're to, we're to like a cow chews its cud, we're to regurgitate the word which we've taken in and to mull it over and to think about it and to grind it up and to, and to break it down in such a way that we can use it. It's a great picture. Can we go back to the new heart for a second? Sure. The, the scripture is probably most, uh, there's two really profound metaphors for the new heart. One is, is a circumcised heart, right? Yes, I love that. that uh... <laughs> yeah. One is the circumcised heart, and then the other is the heart of flesh versus the heart of stone. Right. Circumcised heart is in uh, Colossians. So in, in both cases, it's, it's a, really important, um, a really important thing to pay attention. John Parker says, don't you live in Milwaukee? He used to live in the country. Anyway. Um, Remember, John, I'm old. I've had a long life. Yes. At least, yeah. Uh, but a circumcised a circumcised heart and a heart made of flesh, those are the heart, that's the heart that you're supposed to have before God. And what you got to understand is the old heart is the heart that Jeremiah is talking about, the one that's deceitful above all things. But you'll notice as he's talking about that, that he's praying for God to make the heart different. Mm -hmm. So just because you're saved... Just because you're a Christian, just because you're even an officer in in the church or an officer in you know like a like a prophet, that doesn't mean that your heart is completely um, right before God. It's only God who can judge that, but but we have to judge it. And we there is there is a Jesus talks about how the heart betrays us by its actions, the actions that come forth from the heart. It's not what goes into the man, but what comes out that shows who he is. Right. The heart produces fruit. And so we have to, it's, it's the seed of everything that we are. So we have to really take into account being careful with what our heart is um, and not holding on to fruit that's bad because fruit that's bad is not a promise of a good heart. It's an indicator of a bad heart. Well, and we've talked about this before. You and I have talked about this before in passing. I don't know that we've developed it much, and it's one of those things we could. But the the Hebrew concept of right. the heart is not in the chest. Right. The Hebrew concept of the heart is in the gut. It's visceral. Yeah, it's visceral. It's, yeah. you know, 
Uh, yeah. It's that gut feeling, that gut inclination toward things. Yes. It, no, it's a wonderful thing. So, you know, Christianity is that we have a new heart. We have a new desire in that way. Uh, let's pick up where we left off. That, that was Tillamook, by the way, right? Where you Yes, at? yeah, I grew yeah, up. So he knows cheese. He knows dairy. I, my, my father, when he, did, wasn't, uh, when he wasn't cooking, so my father was a chef, but when he would get tired of being a chef, he would uh, dairy farm. I didn't know and that. And so for many years as a child, probably close to 10 years as a child, uh, I grew up uh, on dairy farm. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, no, I have, uh, as I said, I have a, a lot of experience. Um, okay, so Christ Christianity is a living sacrifice. We are to constantly being in, in the process of, um, of, of taking those things which, which glorify self and sacrificing those and turning them over that Christ might be glorified. And it's a, it's a process uh, whereby we have to go through, and, and uh, it's a difficult process, and many believers have difficulty with that. And that means holding on to, that means holding on to Christ. And letting go. Letting go. Of those things that would hold us back. Right, the, the dying to the dying to self, because that's really what you're doing, is you're sacrificing what you have considered to be the best most precious thing of you that's actually led you astray right right so chris so moving on chris just so we can get through these christianity is uh, a a christ-centered race so in other words as you're going through life and you're dealing with all the issues of life what 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 are you running towards we should be running towards uh, becoming what what Christ has made us a holy and righteous people with all of these things we've talked about now we're you know what are you running towards well we are in a Christ centered race and so we keep focus um, I don't know that uh, you know we have some of you out there that are runners you know if you've ever run, ran in a race then we feel sorry for your knees there's a <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a reason why they have lines on the track when you run a race because you are focused on staying ahead so you can't look behind you you can't look off to the side you're focused on what's ahead and you're focused on staying within those lines it should be noted that the Apostle Paul, when he, he's the one who, who coined this, um, this ideology. Yes, Philippians. Uh, yeah, it should be noted that the Apostle Paul considered himself to have not yet won that race. No, no. And so I think there are many believers out there who think that because they're within the lines and they've been running the race for a long time, that they can stop running the race, that they have won. Uh, it's not true. Yeah, this is not a sprint. Right for you, uh, for you track and field people out there. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. It's true, but life is a sprint, and even the old people are just a blip on the screen of life. Uh, and so, there's never a point in your maturity where you can say, "I'm so developed now that I don't need to grow. I'm so developed that I can't be challenged because I am the apex of Christ, and you are so much further behind me." The truth is that we're all within those same lines. And we need to keep moving forward. Yeah, if you want to see, uh, if you want to read an encouraging uh, view of this, look at uh, Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it is. The uh, faith. Right, where we are. The hall of faith. We, yeah, we are, you know, we have uh, those cheering us on. Those who have gone before us yeah. are cheering us on in the heavenlies. So uh, Christianity is not only to be a Christ-centered race, but it is a spiritual warfare. Oh my goodness, we could spend. We did spend time on this. We could spend a lot of time on this. You need that. This is the reason why you're dressed appropriately, because you are in a battle. It is a spiritual battle, right? And it is constant. Yeah, your Christianity is not a place of peace, as a lot of Christians want it to be. Right. It's not a place where it's like you know, any conflict comes my way, I want it to go away. I want it to leave. I want to live in my peace with God. The peace that comes is in the context of a battlefield. Right. It's in, it's in, I'm on the battlefield. I'm watching all these things happen, but I know that my relationship with God is secure. So anybody, any Christian who tells you that their life needs to be more peaceful in the sense of, uh, in the sense of no conflict is a Christian who doesn't understand what peace means in Christ. Yes. We, we, we see that as having a faulty theology. Yeah. Christianity is uh, serving in society as God's salt, a and also serving in society as God's light, and serving in society as God's physician. So the light of the gospel shines that we might, uh, we might uh, bring those things that were in darkness into the light, that we might bring healing about, and that we might also help to preserve the society. Uh, and in uh, understanding that that uh, Jesus Christ is that great physician, and all who come to Him uh, will be um, able to, uh, you know, be healed by the Word of God and the power that is that is there. Yeah, it should be noted that all three of those things have an abrasive conflict conflict nature to them. Yes, yeah. you know, especially because you're dealing with people who are. Because uh, it's the light of the world in the context of a dark world that shrieks away from it. Right. The healer in the context of somebody who's sick and needs to sometimes have surgery performed on them. Right. The salt in the context of somebody, uh, something that is decaying and needs to be preserved. Salt, you ever put salt in a wound? It cleans it and that hurts. So just we are those things and we have to understand that we that the world is going to hate us because of it. If you are somebody, especially as a Christian, who hates being cleansed or who shrieks away from the light or any of those things, you need to get with the program. There you go. Um, Christianity is Christ likeness. Who are we supposed to be like? We are supposed to be like Christ. That's that, that that's our goal. Uh, that's that's what what our 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 uh, view is set on, is that we want to live in such a way that we uh, exemplify uh, what Scripture says about who Jesus Christ is, and so that we have direction in how we uh, think about who we are in Him. We should definitely stay away from that mindset that's really popular that says, because Christ is that way and I am a human, I shouldn't you know I can't imitate that. The Apostle Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's, an, it's attainable it with, is, the, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is, it is attainable. And, and the reason the Apostle Paul says, imitate me, 
is because it's is because not only is it attainable, but we need to have individuals in our life who can um, who can uh, who we can parrot, right? Who we can who we can have an example that we can see, right? So that we know what it looks like. We shouldn't be afraid of trying to measure up to who Christ is. That is, in fact, what we are called to do. As long as we put the burden of that on the Holy Spirit. It's attainable. Yes. It may not be attainable 24-7, but it's definitely attainable five minutes out of the day or whatever. So uh, we also talked about the fact that Christianity is ruling with Christ in heavenly places and just recognizing that that um, because of our relationship with Christ, we not only rule in the physical, but uh, angels um, are subject to you know to us within the context of us being in Christ. Right. Again, we go back to this issue of a spiritual battle. Right. And that we are equipped to do that spiritual battle. And so just as Jesus Christ rules, so we rule also. And I this know. is a this is a um, a uh, this is an an, an idea of something that is to come. Right, right. It's, it's uh, eternal-minded, infinite-minded. I name-dropped Michael Heiser last week. Uh, if you guys get a chance, look him up on YouTube. Talks about the spiritual side of things. So, um, so Christianity then is doing God's will, doing God's will for his glory. So again, not only are we to be Christ-minded in how we do things, so I'll see how all these things build upon each other. And so we uh, seek to do his will. When the the apostles tried to understand that, you know, uh, Lord, how do we pray? And he gave them a very simple prayer. And embedded in that prayer was the idea that we are to do the Father's will. How can you know the Father's will (laughs) except you know the Father? And so reading, reading the Old Testament to understand the character of who God is, understanding the New Testament to understand how our relationship with Christ extends uh, beyond the local body out into the broader church, right. and the church then is to affect society as it is affected by the Word of God. That's all part of who we, uh, who we are. That's the main thing that that's one of the main things that separates Christianity from other from other belief systems that have such a high spiritual focus. There's really nothing in the Bible that is not practical. Christianity is meant to be applied. It's not just a belief for the heart. And right. that's, that's a lot of people remember what we said earlier that the that the heart produces action. So, therefore, if Christianity affects the whole man and affects the heart and makes the heart a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone, then it will produce and you will be driven to act. And that's why James, for instance, says, do not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Doers of the word, yes. And we are to do that joyfully. Christianity is completing God's task for you joyfully. So we are to be in the tasks that God has given us, we are to be joyful in what those tasks are. And this speaks so much to the, the work that people do inside of the church, the, the, uh, the burdens that people bear because of, uh, you know, because of um, uh, physical 
ailments, ailments and and people struggling. Right. Um, you know, but we are to be mindful that God is perfecting us and that there's and because we because we submit to his sovereignty. This is another point that many people have difficulty with. Because we submit to his sovereignty. It's it's not that we're masochistic. That's not the issue at all. The issue is, is as we submit to his sovereignty, we know that God is going to bring good out of that which was intended for evil. Well, it's one of the reasons why God says very specifically that he hates a grumbler. He doesn't like that. The truth is, is that we should be thankful for everything that he's given us, and that includes every role, situation, parcel, parcel piece that that we're given. And sometimes we're given difficult lots. Sometimes we're given, you know, if you're in a position of leadership, difficult employees, different students, mm-hmm. d- uh, difficult, uh, difficult children, for instance, that you have to deal with. The truth is, is that all of those things should be, as the scripture points out, counted as joy, counted as joy. And again, joy produces fruit. So you can't just say, I have I have peace and I have joy in my heart and so on and so forth and then have fruit of, you know, uh, anxiety and fruit of, of grumbling. grumbling and so on and so forth. It has to be it's a, it's the whole thing. So if you have joy then then it's going you're going to have peace and patience and love and kindness and gentleness and all of these things toward that and you should be excited about the opportunity. Not to say that it's not easy. difficult. No, it's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, we're not saying it's easy. We're just saying that that's that's what we look forward to. Right. Uh, And it's possible for us to have victory in that. So all these things we're talking about, Christianity is understanding and knowing that we have victory in Christ. Yes. That we rely upon him, that we have victory in him and through him. Um, You know, Christianity is the assurance of immortality. Again, uh, we're not just looking forward to what's happening here, but we know that we're being prepared to spend eternity with the holy and righteous God. Well, that's the the assurance of immortality and victory kind of go hand in hand because we need to understand that our victory sometimes is not in this life. Sometimes, yes. sometimes it's not in sometimes this life. Sometimes it's not. And we need to be eternally minded. But part of the difficulty, again, going back to, to the pastor who took his life, um, you know, is where is the victory in Christ? Where is the victory in Christ when we allow the various struggles that we have to be the definers of our relationship? You know, where is that, where is that victory? At the point where I stop saying, uh, I am holding out hope for this. At the point where I reduce those relationships into something that, that, you know, is less than victorious in Christ. That's really, that's not a good state to be in. Yeah, no, it's not. And how can the church, how can the church possibly be expected to function that way? Let alone, you know, like a family or, uh, or some of the other institutions that, that we have, like marriage, for instance, once you stop trusting that God has put that in your life for a reason and you start treating it as a burden that has no joy or victory in it, even in the next life even, that's bad place. Right, right. So all of these things we, we take into account. I only um, got 16. Oh, no, no. We're, I've, remember, I've, oh, maybe you strung I've them together. I've combined several. Okay, you combined I, them. Got it. I strung a bunch of them together. Well, I posted them for you so you guys can look back over the list. Yeah, Christian. So the, the last one here is Christianity is living with eternity in view. 
and this is kind of coupled with uh, the one that we just discussed because it's so important to understand that this is not, we are just visitors here. We are just visitors here. Um, you know, we, we know that we're going to shed these bodies. You know, for some of us, that's, uh, you know, for, for most, I would say. I know there are some of you out there that are really buff and you just love your body. But, <laughs> but most of us, you know, we got bumps and pouches and... Trick and ankles. Th things that don't work and, and you know, uh, we need to keep in mind that um, we are being prepared to spend eternity with Christ and we need to look forward to that. Uh, as uh, we go through this life, right, definitely. So these are the the, uh, the scripture actually talks about these things as this is what Christianity actually is. Now, taking that into consideration with all we've talked about about the process that the believer has gone through, the uh, the, the the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, spiritual gifts, all of these types of things, that's a lot to digest. Yeah. So so during so let me say this that during this downtime, if you want to try digesting some of that or you need to go back through it again, we have these podcasts um, available, and there's nothing. Uh, even though we're going to be on a short break um, until the first of the year, there's nothing. There's nothing uh, wrong with you going back and looking at some of these older podcasts. Right, and we're working to get um, all of the Truth Time episodes on Spotify. For some of you, that's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, we're going to be spending some of our, our holiday season um, working on getting the VRN uh, you know, ready for Season 3, and that's going to include getting, it, uh, getting all of these podcasts there. So you can check us out all over the place. All right, so that, this will close um, the, uh, the Christ Factor. And now yeah. let's talk a little bit, um, you know, I'm probably just going to combine this because, uh, but uh, let's talk about uh, what's up with that. So you want it combined? Well, we're going to combine what's up with that and uh, cultural lunacy together. Wow. Wow. There you go. <laughs> combined together. <laughs> combined together. Okay. Well, um... So <laughs> there's there's so much stuff going on. I mean, you know, but uh, the reason why I wanted to combine them is because um, uh, let's talk about a new. We've been doing some defining some cultural words for you that are floating around out there, and uh, we learned a new word this week. If you're watching the news and you're seeing what's going on, the uh, a, a freshman representative for the state of California, a Democrat, uh, was uh, caught being involved in a thruple. Oh, a thruple. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So a new word for you out there. How do you get caught being involved in a thruple? How do you get caught being involved in a thruple? <laughs> we'll talk it's about not, it's not, uh, it's, well, it's a lifestyle. It's so what, is, so what is a thruple? Well, a thruple is, is an ongoing. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. Sexual affair involving at least three people, a thruple. So it's not, well, it's it, not but it's not just a sexual affair. It's 
It's a it's it's polygamy essentially without getting married. Without yeah. with three part with three. Well, people. in this in this case, she was married. But they're they're, they're accepting of the third person. They had the third person. Okay, yeah. And everything was going fine until uh, it didn't go fine. And this representative involved in this thruple um, basically uh, was caught having an affair with with. Uh, one of her aides, uh, and and uh, then subsequently another aide. Wait, so she's married and then also having an affair? Yes, yes. So and what? So where's the so thruple come into well, it? Well, female. Okay, yeah. It was a female aide. So where does the thruple come into it? The three of them were living together. Wait, I thought initially. So is she homosexual? Well, when that fell apart, was, yeah, she's bisexual. Okay, but what I'm asking is Openly like who's, bisexual. who's she married to? She's married to a guy. And then she was having an affair, but it turns out it wasn't an affair. It, it was, it was a, a thruple. Well, it was a yeah, it was a, a one of her aides. And then she was having another person on the side. Well, when that fell apart, then she had an affair with one of her legislative aides. Oh. So. And the guy knew about it the whole time, or well, he, see, this is where it went south because he got. Uh, upset about something and it just yeah so the long and short of it is that we we learned the word thruple which is a, you know an ongoing affair with at least three people like Josh said it's a lifestyle type of thing a threesome that's is, a one time that's or, a one time event well yeah I mean it could be something that you do more than once but yeah it's like the difference between a one night stand and a relationship um, now this is, you know, and and uh, some of you out there may be kind of shocked, you know. Uh, my wife and I are watching a, um, we're watching a, uh, a a series, a kind of a detective series about a priest, uh, the 1930s and 40s over in England, and uh, you know those English, they're really sexual. Well, they're not the Germans. And they're, they're always doing just all kinds of sexual innuendo and people doing They're cheeky. A, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, this has always been, you know, kind of a, an issue, and we don't like to see it in... in uh, Wait, is this a different news story? No, no, no. Oh, okay, just, okay, okay. I'm Go. just extrapolating that, you know, we just see all of this going on, and... Uh, you know, you know where the first, you know where the first thruple presents itself. Do you know what musical a thruple is present? A musical. A musical. Hmm. I don't. Paint your wagon. Ugh. Lee Marvin, Clint Eastwood, and what's the girl's? I've name? never seen. I've never seen that. But she was she was having an affair with two guys. Yeah, but were they aware of each other? Oh yeah. Oh, they were, and they were accepting of it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But they weren't. They weren't. Look it up. Patreon, they weren't working together. No, no, no. So they didn't like each other. They wanted her to choose. <clears throat> well, no, they just kind of accepted it. Interesting. Anyway, you know this type of stuff exists because, and we've talked about this before. We can talk about it more, uh, maybe later. Um, you know, sexuality is a big thing. Human sexuality is a big thing, and it's always an issue. Anyway, this woman was forced to resign. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah, she was forced to resign because of all this. See, I what, feel like that won't be for very long. Well, see, what most people don't realize, and I, I think it's it's come under scrutiny, particularly because of the Me Too unit, uh, the Me Too movement. But you know, the uh, the Congress had a separate slush fund set up for cleaning up of, messes. Uh, yes, of your money. If you're a taxpayer, this was your money. And Congress had a flush fund set up so that every every time somebody would bring a uh, an accusation of sexual impropriety right. against a congressperson, um, they would be bought off and paid with the, from this uh, hush money. Oh, that's fun. And now, with the Me Too movement and things being brought out in the open, right. that's not really that... Uh, that's not that acceptable anymore. Well, I mean, which is I, probably a good thing. I'm surprised that it made it into modern politics. Um, that being said, it like they've been talking about a thruple for a while. Like, even uh, have you ever heard of Red Table Talk? No. So they do a show on. Uh, so Will Smith, you know, the Gemini man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Smith, um, his wife Jada Pinkett Smith. She has a show. Yeah, with they're kind of kinky, aren't they? I don't, I don't know. She has a show with her mother-in-law and her daughter, Willow. Okay. And they do a show around a red table um, on Facebook. Okay. And it's watched by a lot of viewers. Well, yeah. And so they talk openly about... Because she's popular within her own right. Yeah. And they talk about um, they talk about all sorts of things. But one of the things they talk about, what they've talked about was a thruple. And okay. Willow has said very clearly, she's, I think she's... 16 or something right that right. she's interested in getting into a throuple later wow it's, it's so it's among the it's among the the young people wow interesting yeah well that's one of the reasons why it's becoming more and more you know an issue because uh many millennials down um you know are dramatically rejecting uh, much of, of what they saw coming from their parents or their grandparents and trying to figure out. And let me just point out that this is not new. Sure. This is not new. I grew up, you know, I grew up in the, the 60s and the 70s, you know, where the whole free love and right. throwing off the boundaries and right. all that stuff. So, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. This is just another vehicle that we see it taking place. It's just being considered mainstream and therefore acceptable. That's kind of that's kind of new. Yeah, yeah, it's, and and I and I suspect that in our it, culture, in our culture, and I suspect that it will be. We will see more and more of this as we see uh, dramatic changes within our culture. Right. So let's switch gears for just a moment and talk about one more thing. Uh, many of you may know or may not know, and this is why this is a what's up with that, but over the weekend, um, the leader of ISIS and the, and the uh, press secretary for, for ISIS were both what? killed. Oh, interesting. So President Trump um, authorized... A, a strike. Uh, a strike. It, it a, a surgical strike with a Delta Force team, eight helicopters. They went in, and he was he was in Syria. He was in uh, he was in a, a certain portion of Syria, and they were able through uh, a Kurdish um, 
you know, through a Kurdish informant, they were able to narrow down where he was. They went in and did a surgical strike, and uh, they killed uh, uh, the leader of ISIS. Um, and, and they say when he died that they what they did is they caught him inside of a series of tunnels, Yeah, him and some of his lieutenants. And when he died, he actually took uh, three little children hostage. <laughs> nice. And used the children as to shields. try to as shields. And when he ran up against a, a brick wall, as it were, because the tunnel ended, yeah, uh, then he uh, blew himself up. And the children, unfortunately. Wow. So, you know, he's a real piece of work. Yeah. But uh, now, uh, if, the reason I, I put it under, the, so you would think that's a good thing. You would think that all over the world, people would say, that's a good thing. Because ISIS was... Uh, Muslims don't like ISIS. We Americans don't like ISIS. There, there, I don't think there are any countries in the world that have not been affected by them beheading people, burning people alive in cages. Right. Um, they're, they're just very, very vicious in uh, what they were doing. And uh, you would think that people would be uh, happy about the fact that this man uh, and has been eliminated. And... Uh, and I don't know if many any of you remember, uh, but when uh, Obama sent a, a team, a SEAL team in to take out uh, Bin Laden, right? That uh, people were actually rejoicing in the streets. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like anybody is sad about this guy dying either. Well, not only are they not sad about that, but the the liberals. In not so much, and we're just talking about the media here in the U.S. The liberals have such a visceral hatred for President Trump that they're not they're they're criticizing um, the fact that he went uh, and uh, authorized a surgical strike and this guy was killed. Right. It's weird. Yep. It's just weird. No, that's where we are. Yeah, yeah, that's where we are. So, um, so that's kind of a what's up with that. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more <laughs> what's up with that uh, because this stuff is just you're you're going to see this stuff happening uh, all around us. Uh, you what you may not be aware, you may be aware, you may not be aware that uh, the investigation being led now, uh, the investigating the investigators. Of Trump? Of uh, Trump. So how did this whole nonsense start? Uh-huh. You know, the the impeachment process is, is, you know, before he was even in office, they were looking to impeach him. Sure. And that's been going on for three years. But what has happened is that with the new Attorney General, uh, William Barr, he has appointed... Um, some people to uh, to begin investigating the Steele dossier and and other things that were used in order to fabricate this uh, supposed uh, you know deal that Mueller uh, initially right. didn't find anything. Right. Well, that has now turned from an investigation into a criminal investigation. 
Oh, really? They're going to charge the investigators if they... Yeah, they're going to charge the... the they're going to look at are their charges that can Conspiracy? be brought... Well, there's a number of different things that they can look at, but they're going to be looking at charging um, people high up in the FBI and in the intelligence community. What would that be? Treason? In, well, I don't think it'd be treason, but I'm not. It'll be interesting to see what it, comes if, out of that. Because if if they basically were fabricating, then that would be a coup, right? Well, they, it's and and the belief is that it was an attempted coup. And if it is, and if it is a coup, then it's treason. Yeah, isn't I, treason like the only U.S. Uh, like death. That's the only thing you can put be put to death for is treason. Gosh, that'd be interesting. Well, that, that that's not. I mean, yes, you can be put to death for murder and various other things, but but against the but against the federal government, yes, you can be uh, killed for treason. I don't know that treason will come out of this. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but it has been turned around from a, a basic investigation to a criminal uh, investigation now. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, whether charges will be brought or not. So there's a lot of yeah. stuff going on, and uh, some of it you just—it's a, scr- a head scratcher. You just kind of go, really, you know, like with the uh, the Ben Laden versus, uh, you know, uh, the leader of ISIS. I'm saying the leader of ISIS because I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, Abu Baghdadi or something like that. It's Baghdadi. Oh, Baghdadi. Okay. Well, it is. Let's see. Where is it? Abu Bakar al Baghdadi. Yeah, yeah, that guy. And Abu Hassan al Muhajir. Yeah. Well, see, the good thing is, a positive note was that you know when they took out uh, Baghdad, yeah, when they Baghdadi, yeah, Baghdadi, when they took this guy out. Uh, his press secretary also got taken out, and so um, they couldn't put uh, they couldn't they put couldn't any put spin out. on it. That's yeah. real interesting. <laughs> That's actually That's, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there it is. Well, there you have it for uh, 2019. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and uh, we're going to be coming back uh, excited and strong in 2020. And uh, that's all I got. So, yeah, if you are someone who's seeking answers or you you want to know more about your faith, I know the program is done for um, this time, but we're not. So uh, this is the Vigilance Radio Network for a reason, because Vigilance, we're always on. So if you're new to Jesus Christ or the Bible, we want to help you. We're not done here. Check out the Help tab at abfpdx.org. And remember that we're always open to questions um, that you you can send to us through there, through our Facebook page. Pastor Monty is always uh, ready and waiting to deliver some sage advice. So, um, yeah. want to thank you for listening to Season 2. Um, remember that the Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Alapia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon. It's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by Project Vigilance, ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. If you want to be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here, join us. Uh, as we prepare for Season 3 uh, on the Vigilance, Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture Insanity, The Upper Story, Cross-Examination, uh, Tiles, and, of course, Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, consider supporting us. There's lots of things we want to change for Season 3. 
our network and our shows. They're free to you, but they are not free to us. If you head over to abfpdx.org and click the donate tab, um, you can help us out. Even a dollar a month would be put to good use for the gospel. If you're poor like us, that's cool too. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can also um, hook us up with any help on any of the normal pay apps that you use, whether it's Cash App or uh, Google Pay or Apple Pay or Venmo. And you can always find everything we do on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, and Facebook, and of course, the VRN Facebook group. So take a second to visit the group so you can stay up to date whenever we share new content, uh, which will be coming back. All our new content comes back in uh, January. Um, yeah, so thank you guys. Um, We'll see you next year. I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. <laughs>